Hello and welcome to the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's me, Justin Wollen, uh, and you can contact the show uh, by emailing me at justin.wollen at cisco.com, 2010. Uh, you can tweet me at justin.wollen, and you could even find us on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'm on my own today because I've got, I got a new bunch of special friends. I, I've gone on the road. We've taken this out of the office, and we've gone and met with uh, one of our special partners, Softcat. So I'm joined by... Here we go. Introduce yourself. What's your name? Where you come from? Hey, so this is uh, Jim Leach from Softcat. Uh, I am one of our solutions architects. Uh, and my name's Kevin Brahma. I'm the Cisco Alliance Manager here at Softcat. And Ellie Dugdale, the Cisco Software Business Manager at Softcat. Hey, so you can get from the last introduction from Ellie um, that we're talking about software today. So I've got no Joachim, who's our backup uh, co-host. I've got no uh, Mark Jackson. So I'm, I'm probably on my own today. So I'm probably relying... outnumbered. I am outnumbered. <laughs> I've got th- I'm three to one here. So if I don't say lots of nice things about Softcat and, and everyone in the room, then they might just beat me up. Yeah, there we'll we be go. keeping a tally on that as well. There we are. So, yeah, all right. <laughs> So we're here to talk about software. Cisco's going through a huge transition of, of trying to add more value and more software and functionality into, into the hardware. And we're now going to be selling it in, a, in different ways as well. We're not just selling hardware that you own forever. Um, and there's a huge amount of challenges around making sure that our customers turn on the software and get the most value out of the, of the, the software that's running on Cisco's uh, infrastructure. So that's why we're here today. Is that right? Is that what you expecting, Ali? Exactly that. Kevin, yeah. you're right yeah. with that. And Jim, I'm sure you're yeah, quite I'm happy. Could, could Jim, Jim used to be a DJ in his student days, so he was actually quite helpful with setting up all the, uh, all the audio equipment. Unlike Kevin. Unlike <laughs> Kevin, who made it fall over a lot. But we've just discovered today that we all have one thing in common, certainly from the Socat camp here. We all went to Portsmouth University. So go big up. Big up Pompey. Big up Pompey. So, uh, so let's start it off then. So guys, do you wanna, who wants to introduce Softcat and what you, what, what, what you guys do? I think there's a bit of a clue in the name there, but there we are. I'll give that a go. Um, so Softcat was uh, originally started in the mid to early 90s. Um, and we specialised in software and licensing. Um, originally, the company was known as Software Catalogue. And it got shortened to Softcat as we know it today. Um, so and nothing has- to do with, with felines? Nothing to do with felines whatsoever. No pet shops are involved. Um, No cats were harmed in this podcast either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it brings us perfectly into the subject matter for today. So we have a heritage in selling uh, and helping customers uh, on board with um, software and licensing, Um, mainly around uh, the Microsoft side of things. So we've been a Microsoft partner for many years um, and we're one of the largest Microsoft partners in, in Europe. Um, and that's down to our adoption processes and talking to customers about how they take on um, licenses and use those licenses uh, within their businesses. Softcat originally um, centered our, our, our selling um, expertise with Microsoft. And it was so much so that our business was 60% Microsoft and we wanted mm-hmm. it to, um, uh, to diversify. And probably about 10 to 12 years ago, we diversified into selling infrastructure solutions to our customers. Um, and that came about because customers were purchasing Microsoft licenses, but they were interested in the infrastructure piece that goes with the licenses that we're selling. Um, so those licenses and... and so and they're that- happy with, with, with you as a, as a, a, a supplier mm-hmm. um, yeah. or as a, as, a, as a Microsoft partner and going, do you know what, what else can I buy with you? I, I like the way that you do business. I like doing business with you. I see value in working with Softcat. Can I get what else can I have? Yeah, yeah it's about selling I, them the whole solution and not just just yeah. not just the software, the end user software. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. So I joined Softcat well, three and a half, nearly four years ago now, 
And when I joined, Softcat was well into the throw of selling hardware alongside software, but it wasn't quite at a solution-based level. So over the last couple of years, we've put together more of a solutions-based team. We've got architects now, we've got engineers who understand the bigger picture when we're building solutions for customers. So we're starting to bring together not just point selling switches and boxes and servers and stuff, but we're, we're selling whole data center solutions. Mm-hmm. And the software then comes, becomes really important that, because now we've got multiple layers. We've got virtualization software, we've got operating systems, we've got uh, also SaaS-based stuff as well. And now we're getting into that point where we've got software that we're using for our network infrastructure as well. So it kind of wraps around quite nicely. Right, okay. Very, very good. So... When we, we've got, and that's the thing that sort of intrigued me about coming to the podcast for you guys today because you come from a software heritage. Cisco's going through this transition of becoming more of a software company. I mean, we, we, Chuck Robbins talks about it, and I mean, he's done that very publicly for a while. And we're going from being just a uh, selling hardware to customers to actually selling, splitting out the, 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 the software and the, and the hardware when we're actually selling it and then selling it, the, trying to sell it, the software more on a uh, an annuity on a more of an ongoing as a service type basis. So what's your sort of view on how, how that's been going with Cisco and what is it? And the second part of that question is, have you had to change the way you think? Have you brought things from this, your experience selling software already? I think, yeah, I think Cisco is still sort of very much in its infancy for, um, from being a software partner. Obviously, um, we're bringing over a lot of our experience from how we can transact annuity business with our Microsoft practice. Because that's why you came over from that role, though. That that's, is, that's the thing. That's exactly, the really interesting yeah. thing. So you've got this brand new role being created, and you've taken somewhere from a software background into that role, not someone like Kevin, who's had a huge history with, with Cisco, because yeah. I've known you for a while. Yeah. Um, and uh, you had hair then as well. Yeah, I did. <laughs> full head of hair. You had a full head of hair, and then you met me. Um, and lost it all. And lost all. Uh, and then, so you, you, you create the Softcats created this role because you've seen this change in what Cisco's trying to do and going, well, let's bring a software person in to do this. Yeah, and we're very much still just trying to sort of create an offering and to sort of adapt our Cisco business to meet those requirements with how Cisco's changing the way that, you know, you're, you guys are selling software. Yeah. So, what are you? So, what's your experience then? So, from the, the what's the change you've sort of seen in, in from a software perspective? I think the main changes that we've seen is is going from that traditional um, selling conversation with a customer centered around hardware um, and centered around um, the the perpetual licenses around software um, coupled with that hardware, and and the, the major change is having that recurring conversation and that annuity based conversation around. Um, the software subscriptions and the annuity piece with up, uh, keeping the, the software up to date as well. And I think a key point there is just making sure as well, as we're moving to an annuity business, that customers are seeing full value in that on a subscription basis and that they're you know, making sure that they understand what licensing they've got and they're fully adopting it. Yeah, and some customers are finding this a hard thing to swallow at the moment. So customers are traditionally used to buying every you know, five to ten years, they make a bulk purchase of some hardware, in the old days, we'd get a piece of hardware and we'd get a bit of licensing that told them what features they could use on that hardware. And that would last the life cycle of the, the hardware. You know, only when the hardware dropped dead did the, uh, the, the slot licensing die with it as well. Uh, and there's a lot of customers out there who aren't yet uh, in the mindset of, okay, well, we're buying a bit of hardware and we will refresh that hardware at some point. And we'll want to keep the software features going as well. And we want to keep the, the capabilities growing. So as more uh, features are put into the software, we want to keep 
getting the, the access to those features. Um, so I guess one of the first challenges we have with customers is they, they, they are still wanting to buy the a la carte model because they don't yet understand the, the kind of benefits that they get. So the a la carte being you buy it as in like, a, yeah. you mean you buy Attached everything in one team, go, yeah. yeah, your software and the hardware, all one, one big exactly, purchase yeah. and, and you've got it and then you, you maybe support the hardware as in if it breaks, you, you'll yeah, fix it. You know, break fix on it or, or smart net or something. Yeah, yeah. Like and then yeah. and then in for I mean I think you know I work a lot in public sector, so in ten years time, ten, years time, ten yeah. years when the kit is no longer supported by Cisco, as in yeah. if if there's any bugs, we'll go look, we can't do it, or there's a hardware failure, go, we can't mm. replace it. Then they'll go right, we need to make another purchasing decision, and there'll be another massive bulk buy. So moving that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really quite. Is it, that, that's where you've seen the challenge? Is that all customers, or just some customers, or certain sectors, not other it, sectors? It depends on the, the the customer. How so? It depends on how long the the people have been in the customer. To be honest, so the the guys that have been in there in the uh, organization for a lot longer know that they've gone through this cycle of buying bulk hardware every five to ten years, or, or, or something like that. And then the guys uh, that you know have only been there a short time; those are the hardest ones to hit because uh, they've only been there. They haven't seen the purchase that happened maybe five or ten years ago, so they didn't see all of the investment that went in at that time. They were just dealing with you know mopping up the breakages now, and they're asked to suddenly pay out a, a quite a lot, large lump of sum to refresh it, um, and it's quite a hard uh, pill to swallow already. You know, coming up with quite a large sum of money straight away, mm. and I think this model of changing into giving things a, a bit of a longer, uh, not a longer life cycle, but a more predictable life cycle, both in terms of hardware refresh and the software cycle, it smooths that kind of uh, purchasing. Yeah, and and the thing that's co this coming to mind is is that you mean you you're making the buy of the hardware, so I'm buying a a network infrastructure, I'm buying the the, the tin that's going to go into my network cabinets and and connect all my things that I want to connect but it's that level of software that's running on it and going mm. do you know what I want to, that software is now mine I want to keep that perpetual going back to a to say the n-word Microsoft mm. but you mean you, you buy you mean I, I have software running on my on my laptop here I've got Microsoft software and office and all those sort of things and they're running and they're running and running and I'm going to have them again and my when, when I replace my my laptop in the end of this year I'll still have those software and features functionality. You mean it's yeah. same software running on a different bit of hardware, and it's that sort of level of mindset that there's a an annuity type of 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 for the software on the boxes. Yeah, yeah so it's portable. It, yeah, yeah. So yeah. so when the, you mean in in five to ten years time, whenever you replace the hardware, that soft so amount of that value, and that I, I've, I'm paying for that subscription for that software that's running on it. I struggled with it as well. I mean, I have to. I physically end up drawing it when I'm explaining it to a customer. I go, right, we took a switch and it had hardware and software in it. I'll draw a little lot, two dis and then I set to draw two separate boxes. Yeah. And you pay for one bit differently to the other bit because mm. you buy the hardware and then you, not lease, but you have a subscription for the software. Mm. Exactly. Is, that, is that right? Am yeah, I, am no, I, am I... that's exactly it. The other thing to think about is you're not just you know maintaining the same software, you're actually getting new features. So. You know, when you bought Microsoft Windows 3.1, for example, that's what you got, and it lasted however long it lasted, and then you bought the next version of it. But with now with subscriptions to software and other types of subscription services, like cloud-based services, you know, you're buying not only a bit of software, but a capability that grows and grows and grows. Yeah, yeah. so as new things come along, new, new features and functionalities yeah. develop. Yeah. And with how quickly sort of technology is moving, 
that's really important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. yeah. And you see the way network infrastructure is, is changing all the time now. We've gone from let's buy buy bits of kit and they do one thing and one thing only, and now we've got the software that we can turn different knobs and, and, and buttons and bells and, and whistles and, bells and things and like that yeah. and give us different types of features and it's all driven by the software and and one thing that cisco have done over the last few years which is really good is they've kind of unified all of the software as well so you know you get catalysts and a nexus and there's still going to be a catalyst image and a nexus image but there'll be one nexus image for all the nexus platforms and yeah and we're doing the same with from a catalyst perspective aren't we? because we're on yeah. ios xe and that will run for the same and so from you as a as a as an engineer you can is that, does how does that how does that benefit you or how does it that simplifies our life because we no longer have to go and, and get the ip services particular image for this particular switch and that you know if you think there's probably 30 types of 2960 out there or with you know we, we like to say the catalyst 9k now <clears throat> four different types <laughs> of uh, licensing on it but now you know yeah we've got the cat 9k we've got a single image and we've got what two two or four different license models. But well, is, 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 was it Advantage and... and foundation and... Foundation yeah, and, uh, yeah, and, and Essentials, isn't it? Looking at. Yeah. But I guess off your point, Jim, that with the technology changing that way, it makes it easier for customers to then adopt the licensing as well if it's simplified. Yeah, because they have one licensing model they want to hit. Yeah. Uh, they want to take a certain set of features and, and they, they go with that and they'll get more and more features as, as the software gets de- developed further. So if you look at... Um, just going slightly off tangent, SD Access, for example. I know we weren't going to do product stuff, but no, that's fine. You can talk about software defined access. When it came out, uh, it didn't have the lifecycle and insurance capabilities, but uh, you know, customers have bought the uh, the licensing that allows to have that when it comes out in the next version. Oh yeah, so so we're looking at DNA Center, the digital yeah. network architecture uh, center, which is the new sort of uh, window to your network for both um, provisioning policy. Uh, automation. Um, automation. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the other things. There's design. Sorry, design, <laughs> uh, uh, policy, automation, and then assurance. So you can take Absolutely. away a net. You can have a network for which has no configuration at all to actually designing what your network is going to look like from a software perspective and an IP perspective. Pushing that out across the whole of your network and then seeing how well it's performing, both before, during, and after, and being able to have some prediction around it of where you think problems could happen mm-hmm. through machine learning. So yeah. there you go. I've just done a quick summary of what DNA Center is. For anybody who's, but that's the point though, isn't it? Because yeah. you buy it at 1.0 or yeah. 1. And assurance wasn't available in 1.0, but it, it's going to become available now. And they'll get a whole new, very rich set of features that allow them to troubleshoot their network. And that just allows... And then that, that brings... So that's lovely, I think, is because it's like... I don't know. I, try, I always try to think about doing car analogies, but it's like... And the thing that bugs me about my car... And here we go. Use, use one analogy that, that hopefully does it. Is that I bought this car and it didn't have um, Apple Play on it or CarPlay. 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 Literally, a couple of months later, CarPlay came out for that model. Can I get it? No. No. So that is a... That's a bugbear. I, I won't mention the, the, the manufacturer, but it's due for refresh <laughs> at the end of the month. And um, it won't be on a similar vein, though, mapping. So uh, GPS mapping for cars, right? When you bought the car, it came with the maps pre-installed. And then after about two years of driving on the road, the maps are out of date. Yeah. Whereas now you get these always-on uh, mapping capabilities in cars. And you've always got whatever the latest is from your favorite search engine. You know, that, that Whatever the latest version of that map is, it's always there. 
So just having that software on the car, and, and they sort of move in that way for cars, which is fine, but it's, they still didn't do CarPlay. Um, <laughs> sorry, bit of twisted, because uh, my wife's got it and I haven't. Um, so that's, so, but that's really interesting. But so as these, so that brings to a mind for me about a challenge of great, the networks as is out there. It's got software on it. I've got subscription. And I'm putting my mind as, as a customer now. I've got this network out. They've got a load of software. I've, I've deployed it straight. I've, I've deployed it. I've got a load of software features running on it now that I'm using. And then a load of new software features coming out. That's the challenge of what happens next. I mean, do I just... Is it, how do we make sure that I'm, we're getting the best value out of, of, of the software that we have? Well, I think that's where us as partners... Uh, have seen a change in the conversations that we're having with with line of business um, people within within our customers, um, and it's centred around um, adoption. It's centred around helping those customers activate those software feature sets and and adding that value from our from our engineering teams. Um, but linking that back to how that's going to help that business is that, is achieve. That, is that something that you, because I can imagine there's a time of purchase, they'll go, these are the requirements that we have now. And you most probably would, as we all do in, in the industry, we all go, right, look, this is what other things you can do with. This features are coming down the line, or this will be available soon, or this is, you know, do you want to actually turn on more than what you originally thought of, of, of just turning on from a software features functionality? How do you then make sure that they do. I mean, is that baked into the service that they buy from Softcare? It's you, kind you, of a relationship thing. Yeah. So you build up the relationship not only with the business itself, but also with the technical teams in the business. And then it's a case of, right, okay, we, we put a set of features in that got you going on day one and that satisfied your requirements then. But what new challenges have cropped up since? Has the business taken on uh, new things that they want to do? They want to do any more efficiencies or you know find new economies? Uh, and then we can look and see what features are now available and things that have been. So, do you in. proactively then go? Oh, 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 there's a new. I know. For example, you sell our insurance for DNA centres. So, would you then proactively? Is that part of what something new you've delivered from a network? Yeah. Perspective? So we, we're seeing this with um, other roles in the business, um, and and we've we've baked this into our software lifecycle practice. And Ellie can probably expand on this in a bit a bit more detail. Um, and it's the role of a customer success manager. And it's that person that will go in and open up those conversations to make sure that the customer's getting the most value out of the software that they've purchased. So there's this new role. So as well as you, Ellie, coming into mm-hmm. this role, there's a new role that I know we, we maybe, I don't think I've talked about it on podcast before, but this customer success yeah, manager. definitely. And we've, like Kev said, we've got it across our, our, our business and other, other departments. For example, in our Microsoft team, that's a... Can you a, just say the M word? The M word, sorry. That's um, a key role there <laughs> because obviously a, a large part of buying software is making sure those customers are, are activating it so with end user licenses obviously it's it's a lot simpler um from an office 365 and a, and a, and a cloud-based model um but moving over to cisco we want a customer success manager to be that person to ensure the customer is seeing value and has someone to go to for for all their software requirements and to link other parts of the business together now is that something that a customer pays for or is that something that just gets bundled in with when you when you purchase from from you guys so it's a complete value add from from a software perspective. Oh, lovely! That, that's really interesting, Ellie, because you have this customer success manager. But how does Softcat and that customer success manager keep up to speed of what's going on, or maybe what the customer requirements are, or how they're changing? Do you mean how does? Yes, we've got an interesting case at the moment with uh, a university that we're working with, and they are taking on uh, SD access as their kind of prime infrastructure. They're doing a whole. Uh, refresh cycle they've got a new site going out and one of the things that we've discussed about 
uh, with them is kind of creating a, an infrastructure lifecycle or a roadmap of what they're going to do over the next five to seven years. Uh, and part of that uh, input into that roadmap is not only just knowing how long a typical box lasts, you know, an enterprise will depreciate a box over uh, five years, but it's also knowing how long the licensing is. But with our relationship with Cisco, we can say, well, we know that these features are coming down the line. <clears throat> Excuse me. These features are coming down the line over the next couple of years, and they'll be really good for solving uh, X, Y, and Z problems. And then, from a you know a soft cap perspective, and our relationship with the customer, uh, we know what their demands are going to be over the next couple of years. So we can help customers build out a roadmap that says that you know day one, <clears throat> all new infrastructure and all new software, and we're going to take these features out of that capability. And we know over the next couple of years that we'll need you know these additional features they might not yet be in the software but they will be because that's the thing that you mean i think about you I mean we're generally when we're looking at software features of, of of infrastructure i'm never really getting more than a six month maybe of solid of we know that's coming to yeah. maybe a 12 month of what this is what we're thinking about doing so it's quite interesting of that it's quite it's quite a you mean to talk about a customer at seven years roadmap you go yeah, it's quite they hard. must it's quite hard to do isn't it because if you think about public sector they do you know soak their hardware for as long as possible yeah so you kind of got to judge what's the the medium between the two yeah and also if you look at um specifically what well, the conversation we had with this university was around wireless as well so they want to integrate wireless into their new infrastructure but wireless has a much shorter life cycle if you think like wave one came out and it was you know, only a year later that Wave 2 was out, and now we're talking about AX and other things. So they they can now build up a roadmap that says, you know, our wireless refresh cycle will be every, you know, two to three years. Yeah, because that's interesting. That's Wi-Fi has always been a shorter... Because yeah. for some reason, it always seems to be like that. And obviously, I come from a, a bit... Not obviously, but I come from Wi-Fi background. So that's the thing. You're going, right, a network, a, a, a wide network will be about, I don't know, between, I don't know, seven to ten years... Where the Wi-Fi, you're going right. I'm going to have maybe two, maybe one or two, well, at least one or definitely two, or no, definitely one, but maybe two refreshes on the wireless front. So, but that sort of level of thinking needs to come into the network now. Because going, okay, I might have the network for ten years, mm -hmm. as in the hardware, but I need to have points in there where I'm going right. We need to look at when are we going to when we're going to turn on new services. When are we going to turn on, or when are we at least going to review to see what's available? What can we about getting more value out of what you go because otherwise you'll sit there and, and that's the thing we've seen from an industry perspective where customers will turn on around nine percent of features and that'll be within 90 days of buying or putting in the infrastructure the network infrastructure and that'll be it yeah. it'll stop and you're going that's like having a car and never getting out yeah. of and you need to kind of put in like a continuous improvement cycle into mm. them say look okay you've got the value out of those first features in the first 90 days now what else can we what are the other values we can extract and the other thing to think about there is now that we have a, a roadmap with that customer of you know when stuff is going to go out in for refresh, not from from software and hardware. Now we can look at well, what's your purchasing model like? Is it always going to be big lumps of purchases all the time, or is it a better idea to make this more of a an infrastructure over you know opex and then you know see a a yearly value for that owning and running that infrastructure. Yeah, and that, that, that's that's interesting because that's the bit you mean in public sector it's very capex based and customers going right and then but the challenge we have is is and, and I see this in real time. I mean, I saw this very recently. Is you go and speak to a customer and they'll go, yeah, you know that land that I bought that's now becoming end of support. I haven't got the money to replace it. I've been given a budget of this 
and then we we all look at each other and we're thinking, are we do? How do we solve this problem now? Because obviously there's a cost of goods, and we'll go right. Well, if you want to, it's like having a I know buying a brand new car. You think right? If, do I buy a brand new car every five years? Mm. Where do I get and, I, and every I've got to come up with that amount of money, or do I lease a car and go well? Do you know, what, I'll just give you so much a month, and then every so every so often I'll get a brand new car out of it. But I just keep paying you, and it's it's that's it's that's interesting because in my mind, you I mean I'm going well every so every so many years I've got to put a big lump sum of a payment for a car down. Is it the same with? And we're thinking about that differently now from myself personally. But you think from a network perspective, it's like how I, I, customers don't can't always have that amount of money because networks aren't cheap, are they? You mean like, from any vendor, they still. You mean you look at a university, you look at an NHS, you look at a large corporate, they're big. Big purchasing decisions, aren't they? And that's where we're seeing sort of different Cisco financing options coming in and helping customers out where, you know, you can pay less, take, pay 10% less when you start start the um, start the deal and then if you refresh your hardware after three years or, or something like that, then you sort of not have to pay that 10% back. So it sort of gives gives customers that option. So there are there are finance yeah. options that you that you go in position with Cisco in, in front Definitely. of customers. And also that sort of leads on to the enterprise agreement quite nicely where we're sort of seeing customers thinking about going into three five or seven year terms now where they can pay yearly or sort of um on on different payment methods depending on what suits them so yeah so do you want to do you want to describe you mean yeah you mean enterprise agreements and and that's another thing that i'm made aware they've been around in the software for a long time now how have you taken that what's your mindset ellie on on that from a, a software and a microsoft perspective and take that into cisco world you mean how different is that or think, is it different? Oh, it's very, you know, it's very different. But I think... In what way? As we said earlier, Cisco's still very much in its infancy in software. And an EA agreements, the enterprise agreements, sorry, should I say. You can say, you, once, you, once you've said it once, you can, you can use the... You can use the, the, <laughs> the abbreviation. The abbreviation from now on. <laughs> just when everyone's sitting there going, what's an what EA? What is an EA? Well, that's it as well. I think, as well, it's changing that mindset from both Cisco and customers um, about going into a, a contract term for networking. It's very different or for collaboration or for data centre. It doesn't really matter. I think as well, sort of the people at the account managers and the, the Cisco teams are still getting their heads around sort of why customers should be going into an, an EA. So there's still a so lot what, what's of... So to your mind, and I'm really interested because you've come from yeah. a, a, a software background. Mm. What are those points or what are the benefits of, of, of doing that? So... I think a key benefit which a lot of customers and um, a lot of people don't know about is the the ability to true up or to grow by 20% without having to declare that to Cisco. So that gives customers who have expansion opportunities or know that they're going to be growing quite significantly means that they essentially get 20% growth allowance without having to declare that back, back to Cisco. Or, declare that sounds or, a bit like tax. It does, doesn't it? We have the HMRC <laughs> for Cisco going, right, okay, yeah. how, be honest now, how many ports have you used? <laughs> we, yeah. But that we're we're going to come in and audit you. <laughs> Sorry, digressing. <laughs> no, that is um, a massive benefit, I think, um, from an enterprise agreement perspective. Also... But is that something that we should be talking about straight up front? Definitely. For customers that are, have got big network refreshes or are spending quite a significant amount on software, an enterprise agreement should be the go-to. Sometimes enterprises are so big they don't actually know what they have. So they will go for a, a nice big round number that suits that, that sounds about right. And then as the year progresses and we do dig a bit further into what estate they really have, that that. That enterprise agreement then allows them to be more flexible. flexible. You're not yeah. sort of tying it. We're going to say, right, okay, you need X amount of, 
hundreds of switches. This is the amount of software you need. Where you're going, do you know what? If you need some more switches, you can buy them. But the software, you can just yeah, you, you can down, it. You can yeah. flex up. You can flex up that software. It gives them the flexibility, but it also fits in line with the roadmap conversations that, that Jim was mentioning earlier. Um, so it sits in line, and it's the perfect fit for for that for that kind of conversation to move forward. I think as well the. A great benefit is that for customers that have got um, data center or, um, projects or collaboration or network enterprise networking, you can put all of those into one enterprise agreement contract. So they've got a co-termed end date, which makes it a simplified way of buying licensing across. A so you just know that at this time, in 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 three, five, seven years time, you know that that's when your renegotiation for your your software subscription is going yeah, to come it's a bit in. More predictable because people used to buy you know a couple of switches this year, a couple of switches next year, and the software that goes with it. And you so then you don't with, with like really every year standard. you're going to have uh, every um, every year you know you're going to have a discussion around a, a, some yeah. sort of support contract. And now with with it just being supporting of the software, or you mean as in the old days, you mean like it's tax support or partner shared support, or, or, or just or um, it's now around the hardware and just been keeping the hardware up and running and if it fails it's now about right how do i keep that software running how do i make sure you have access to all the services and the net new stuff that's going to be invented that we don't quite know yet but it will come making sure you have access to all that as well so it's it's very different because it's sort of a predictable date at which you know that that cycle is going to start and that's a huge thing because when you start to look at it and that's the that bit i do struggle with as well when you're i'm sat there and i'm looking at a customer um working with a customer and you're trying to pull pricing together and the thing they always start to look at is going well and they in their head they're going well that's the much how much it's going to cost me for the hardware and then you go well here's your software subscription but why am i why have i got a software description Mm -hmm. don't don't i just get software updates well you you mean in the in you do get sort of updates as in here's a uh, a bug fix and all that sort of stuff you get those things it's about right i want the new for example you talked about dna center and you said about well assurance is out now in one dot is it one dot one or one dot two i think it's one dot two ish please don't hold me again <laughs> don't hold me to it either. oh yeah yeah but great it, you know it's not a release feature it's a feature that customers are going to again through having that subscription yeah that but there's, there's there's that example of something new coming out it's a brand new it's not about an enhancement to the feature you've already got it's something brand new so is it getting that brand new? And, and that's the bit of trying to say to the customer, well, why, am I, why is my support so changed in price? I'll say change got more expensive, but it's changed because it's, it's moving away yeah. from, okay, the hardware may be a bit different in price, but the software is as well. And I'm trying not to say cheaper. I, think, <laughs> I guess one of the other kind of good things that is um, just kind of deviating slightly that's changed in Cisco software world is the Cisco One model of buying. Yeah. You know, you buy... A piece of hardware and it comes with all the licensing associated with the other you know tools and functionalities to manage that hardware so when we used to in the old days when we bought an hour cart piece of hardware you used to have to go and buy ice licensing uh, prime licensing and all the other bits and pieces and the tools that you needed to look after that box and make it, it do all the, the cool stuff but now when we can we can uh, buy a switch with the software subscriptions for things like ICE and Prime that enable you to secure and manage your network. Yeah, and for anybody time. who isn't aware, you mean ICE is the identity service engine, which is about what what's used to, for security policy yeah, on the network. So if you have net infrastructure, prime infrastructure for managing yeah. it. So, and I always think of it, I, I'm rightly or wrongly, as going to a fast food rent, restaurant like McDonald's. There are others out there, but you wouldn't go in there and buy chips, a drink. And a Big Mac, you'd buy a Big Mac meal. Yeah. What drink do exactly you want without? What's that? What's a great analogy. Love that. Customers are so used to buying the chips and then the Big Mac and then the Coke uh, in the infrastructure world 
that when the bean counters see this new bigger price tag on their switch, they go, well, why does it cost more this year than it did last year? And what they don't get is, you know, some of that cost would have been spent anyway because you would have had to go out and buy mm. the other mm -hmm. tools. Now you're just seeing it as one. And those things, especially, when, and I always use it, I, I think wireless for me, I, I know I've got a bias towards it, but when you look at Wi-Fi, you go, well, I'll buy an access point. I'd buy the license to run that access point. I'd buy ISC licenses so I can secure yeah. the network because mm -hmm. The Wi Fi because it's license, yeah, yeah. I might do CMX license, do location tracking. We talk about that on another podcast as well. I think we have. Um, and then you'd buy a prime license to manage that access point. And then so now you're just going, well, just buy Cisco One, and you've got all those licenses in there together. Yeah. And if you added them all up, it would be more cost effective. I'm trying not to say cheaper, but it's more cost effective buying them as a Big Mac meal than it would be as buying them as a, a, a Coke chips yeah. and a. And, and, that, and that and changes our engagement with the customer from, you know, we were talking previously about um, how hardware conversations have, have transitioned um, uh, since software has come about. And it means that we can have more touch points with our customers because if they've bought that as a bundle, whether it's Cisco One or if it's an EA, um, it means that we can have an ongoing conversation quarterly, monthly, whatever, um, to make sure that that customer is using all that great software and, and deploying that software and, and adopting it into their businesses. So, and with that, and that kind of fits in again with um, the, the ongoing engagement that we do have with customers, we can set milestones or help them create milestones so they've got a trajectory, as it were, of, um, of software being utilized into the company and being used into the company. And they can show that value back to to uh, to 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 see level. So we've got we and, and that's interesting because I know we've got we've got a, a, a mutual customer. So we've gone and and we've sold a new wide area network to a customer together and now that customer is, is we were just looking at bandwidth, I need a new 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 uh, new bunch of routers. We've gone and sold out that one with Cisco One. The customer was happy with Cisco One and now they're looking at they because they're doing a lot of video over the network. They're now going, well I need to look at what other things can I do? And you go, well, actually, you've already got all the licensing to do this. You can do uh, application optimization yeah. already and because you've, you've bought that. And you, I know your guys are now engaging with that customer and saying, look, we can help you turn on these services and yeah. help, help them. It's about knowing what you've got within those bundles. Yeah, yeah. knowing what you've got with the software. And so yeah. knowing what software you've got, what you can get out of it. And, and you might not need it now. And you might not need all of it now. I think if you don't need... want to consume it all now. It's too much to to take on a new infrastructure and all these new capabilities all at once. They might just want to take bits and pieces of it and create and I think a, a, a project for each of those. Yeah, phased projects. Yeah. Yeah. And we can do some really cool reporting as well from um, a software perspective. So we can look at customers' consumption um, from their Cisco So you can see, actually see, accounts. so you yeah. can see at what they're using and actually then you can, with that customer success person, be able to go, do you know what, Mr. Customer, can we have a, a, have a catch-up? Because I'm seeing that there's a load of software and you're, you're not getting value out. And is there something we can do to help you get the volatile? Or you mean whether you want to do it yourself or you want to do it with your support? Exactly. Is that is that Exactly that. Great. So we, we've talked a lot of stuff um, today. You mean you've been you've given us a real understanding of who, who you guys are from a software perspective and, and Softcat. And where you've taken your experience from selling software previously uh, from other other vendors, um, beginning in M, and then uh, taking that into um, and, and taking that into into the Cisco world, which is really interesting, and and all the challenges that you've seen around that are on about sort of copex copex, opex versus capex, um, and trying to make sure that customers can get the most out of the software that they they've bought already, or what, what sort of software is available in the future. 
what's your and, and different ways of consuming it you can buy it you mean we talked about cisco one and we've talked about enterprise agreements as well allowing people to flex so we've talked about a lot of things today where do you see the future around this where do you see this is there any sort of things you're predicting that you've seen in other areas or what i'm personally most excited about which is going probably a bit off tangent um that's fine we do get we go off tangent quite regularly. <laughs> is um App Dynamics, which I know is, um, I think it's going to fit really nicely into the um, whole software sort of um, picture that we've got going on and how it will fit really nicely into enterprise agreements. And it's a great piece of technology, which I think will work really well with our customers. And, and that's really great because we haven't even done a, 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 a podcast D. on App Dynamics yet. So there you go. So you mean so there will be a podcast about uh, App Dynamics, uh, which is, I don't know, who wants to give us a quick synopsis up? Because I could try and do it in fairness. Go on, Kevin. What is, what, what is App, App D? Yeah, pointing on podcast doesn't work. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. What does App Dynamics do? In, in layman's terms, it looks at the end user experience um, in terms of any customer that's leveraging software and has... Uh, well, any kind of software or applications? Application-based software. Um, where an end user, a customer, is 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 gaining an experience or has an experience from a. a so piece somebody of consuming some software, for example, if I'm going onto a car insurance website, they will. App what, what is that whole experience like from start to finish? And are there any kind of bits in that journey and the steps through their purchasing on that website um, that is slowing them down or is not as slick? And App Dynamics gives that visibility of all of the hops from that customer going from you know the start page to buying some insurance uh, and and finishing it off in the in the easiest way possible. Because you won't are, be using one application in, in that experience, will you? You'll be jumping through from a um, I don't know, well, Craigie, I'm multiple, multiple like, services, different services, yeah. services yeah. different yeah. DB servers. And yeah. There's all those different components that are involved in. And that will spot the whole experience. And does that spot where the problems are? Yeah. So it will support. Um, it was spot where there's sort of slowness or where users are experiencing any issues with the, the application and does it okay great i'm going to say ask more questions but i think we'll save that for the podcast because we do have in book for next week um there we go listen out for it listeners um great guys um, is there anything else anything else anyone's excited about i don't know i'd throw in i'd throw in it's probably going to mess mess up something else that you might have in the pipeline but viptella is also yeah. quite exciting we we, we have been trying to book viptella for a very 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 long time they are and, and it's not that they don't want to come on the podcast it's just trying to find time for them to because they're very busy but it is interesting I, and i'm a big fan of Viptella as well and i'd love to be able to get them on the podcast but uh, ben brophy if you're listening uh who's the guy on our team who keeps trying to book uh the Viptella person he hasn't fa- he failed me you failed me and he's been on the podcast three times now so he's dead to me um god jim is there anything from you um I guess from a soft cap perspective, all of the new cloud technologies that are coming out that allow us to do hybrid cloud deployments, they are really important to us at the moment. So Customers don't just want to have all their workloads on-prem or all their workloads... I mean, it's how do you move those workloads? So that's things like cloud center... Yeah, they want some flexibility to either be able to mobilize workloads, flex in and out of cloud, or they want to have bits in both, but be able to apply the, the same policies across them. So things like cloud center is really important. Uh, and cloud lock and things like that. 
There you go. See, there you go. My boss, uh, Jochen Mace, will be happy then because he's a data center guy. There you go. Um, guys, thanks very much for today. It's been really great fun. It's the first time I've ever done a, a, the podcast with, uh, with a partner, and it's been great fun. So thank you very much there, guys. Um, thank if you, you want any, uh, anyone who's listening, th- thanks very much for listening. If you want to contact the, the podcast, you can via email, justin.wallin at cisco.com. That's two O's, one L. Uh, email me at, uh, not email me, you can tweet me at Justin Wallin, or you can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Done. Dun, 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 dun. Dun.